0: You go over here somewhere there's a hot
1: and it has four chests in it. okay we're live thank Hello, you photo. kevin just jumped on as we went live
0: how are you doing kev? good perfect timing I- as always kev
2: yeah 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 i couldn't for some reason couldn't connect with you guys so
0: okay uh, for our pre-show go ahead Russ. all right this pre-show gives me <laughs> great cheer and
3: joy because the pride of Long Island, the pride of Hicksville, New York, which was just a couple of towns over from me, Billy Joel, the Piano Man. I don't think Springsteen even has a moniker, but Billy Joel is the Piano Man. He is known as that. He Joel is the by the way.
4: He's,
3: he's getting his own bobblehead from the New York Islanders. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's well-deserved. And Springsteen ain't got no NHL bobblehead. <laughs>
2: He does have a moniker, though. I can't believe you said that.
1: The boss. The boss. I know. I forgot for a second. Absolutely. We can't get into the debate again.
0: Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna have a, they're gonna have a, a, a bobblehead of, of of Springsteen with a shovel in his hand digging a ditch in New Jersey.
1: <laughs> I would rather watch. Um, <laughs> oh
2: yeah, no.
3: yeah. This not about watching that. This is bobblehead immortality, and Springsteen doesn't have that at the moment in that sport. Billy Joel
1: now does. Right. Now he does. But
3: That's obviously. what it's about. It's about because, look, the Coliseum's opening
1: back up to the Islanders. Billy Joel has played there like a million times. But, oh, yeah. Now, Billy Joel uh, – listen, last Coliseum and Billy Joel, there's no two ways about it, right? That's like you – know, And MSG.
4: Like,
3: well, MSG
1: it's pretty much a
3: split until Billy Joel signed that deal with Dolan. Then he went way ahead of Springsteen. But to be honest, it was pretty much a split all the years.
1: Yeah, from what, heard, from what I heard, from what I always the same thing. Okay, my issue with Billy Joel is he hasn't written any music
0: forever. Like literally, he doesn't literally, have to. to he act. does have to. You're an artist. No, no, no. Act. act. This right. is this is this is the thing. If you if you put it side by side with, and uh, even Springsteen aficionados say this. If you put it side by side with some of the crap that Springsteen is that has, has written over the last fifteen years, he's had a couple good songs, but nothing like his. Nothing like you know the river. Nothing like born in the USA, nothing like Nebraska, nothing like the the stuff in his prime. It's, you know, all so No songs that Billy Joel ever No, they're not. <laughs> just I'm so not. you know,
3: I don't know if you know this, act, but in 2013, Billy Joel put out like some piano concertos, and he has been doing some of those throughout the years. It's just he's not doing pop music.
2: Yeah, and I, I got to say that moments ago, I'm sure there was a hit put out on Mike <laughs> referring to – uh Springsteen music is crap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there might be. Do never... <laughs> you see the I red mean, dot? No, like, okay. As a musician, and I'll do this, we'll just do this real fast because it's pointless, but I'll do it again because everyone's not always watching all the time. As a musician, I must say that simply watching these, I saw both of these acts and Paul McCartney um, two years ago, like uh, in, within the same month. Okay. Um, And Paul McCartney was like, was great. You know, obviously he's Paul McCartney. He just, he's allowed to be Paul McCartney. He's a Beatles. he still writes music too he still puts songs out they're not awesome but some of them are pretty good anyway um <laughs> but, but seeing the band the, the difference in the bands okay just the players who are playing with them Go one-on-one here no tell but even one-on-one even one-on-one, one-on-one even, one-on-one even the ability, I mean, but, but you want when you when you go to a concert for billy joel you're going to you might as well be going to like the piano man you know show put on by some guys who look like Billy Joel and his band. Like you Act, might as well say who you're going to. Act,
0: Paul, McCart- Paul McCartney, post Beatles, his most success was with Wings. Right. The band that he's touring with and the band that he's toured with like the last decade, none of the members of Wings are on that in that band? It doesn't okay. really matter. Oh, I mean, they, I, they I, are they are in when you're when
1: you're a musician and you're playing with Paul McCartney, they're interested in being there. Like they are no, there's no question. The Billy Joel band is not interested in being there. Like I, I said, we were five, I was five feet away from them. They mm. were so freaking bored. It was like seeing Journey at the Borgata a few years ago. They were not interested <laughs> in being there.
3: Either. All right, here's the last thing I'll say on this. Yes. A few years ago, I had a chance to cover a Springsteen concert. I've seen them about four times. But I had a chance to cover one, and when I got there, it was him by himself, all by his lonesome, and and I had, like, fourth row seats. He was playing interludes to songs. Now, again, he's gotten a lot better on the guitar, so I, I had to write that, and I was impressed with that. But Billy Joel compared to him— Well, you went
1: to—you went to—what you went. To, you went to, what you said, what tour was that? Like, that was, the Tom Joad tour or something no, like that? No, it was not Tom Joad. It was after that. It wasn't, was, like— a. It wasn't a straight-up Springsteen concert. It was, it's, it's, it was
3: Bruce Springsteen on his own, playing his own hits. On his own. You see that? You got to see Bruce, that's, Bruce, let Bruce Springsteen. Let that. me finish. 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 Thank you. No. So he was playing interludes to, like, Thunder Road, and people had no idea what they were listening to. 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half into it, until he finally would say the words. Right. I'm just telling you, at the end of the day, and while Springsteen has gotten to be a better... Guitar player Billy Joel's a piano player, is still stellar, and he's a better singer. So if you want to say Springsteen writes better songs these days, I don't care.
1: Uh, okay, so the, and I'll throw one more thing in there, but this is—it's just—it's ridiculous. Is okay. So the other person I saw who's old like that and you know really crazy was Elton John recently, right? Mm-hmm. And I told you this before that Elton John, I thought would be completely cheesy. Like I was given the tickets, I thought this will be completely like you know this because I've seen Elton John when I was a kid. You know I saw Elton John. Yeah when he was, and he was old then. But, but so i like, so this is. But Elton John and his band, which is like his original band, which is amazing, wow. um, is it's, was awesome. Like Elton it's John his awesome.
0: farewell tour. But he was, was his yeah, because awesome? he's
4: done.
1: It's, it's done. Five years, his farewell tour. Okay, but anyway, I'm just saying, yeah. that's a that's a hell of a farewell tour. But anyway, he's um he's amazing, and so he's up there with Springsteen, still performing actually as they are, where where Billy Joel and even Paul McCartney are are kind of karaokeing themselves. But
0: Definitely. right now, right right now, Billy Joel won, Springsteen nothing in bobbleheads. Game That's over. It. That's all we getting. Let's, let's start the show.
1: Springsteen's not a hockey guy. I'll tell you that. I know that. I'm talking to people about that. You know who's
4: um, a hockey guy and his favorite favorite uh, team is favorite the Flyers. Trey Anastasio, Trey a fish, Trey good yeah. New Jersey. Yes, I did know that. I've seen him. Seen him. In and he played years. in a flyer. He played in a Flyers charity game in nineteen Christmas around Christmas, nineteen ninety six, and he was wearing a Flyers jersey at uh, the old Wachovia. Was that what it was?
2: Yeah, Wachovia. Wachovia. Yeah. I think the Springsteen drummer is a season ticket holder of the Devils. I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm
4: not, uh, I, that I didn't know. That's interesting. I've
3: seen Max Weinberg at Stanley Cups. Yeah, I, I've seen him like before the game. I've seen Max Weinberg and. Trans he's- was in the locker room for the Flyers when he was touching the Prince of Wales jersey and taking a picture of it with his dad. It was kind of cool. That's
2: cool. Yeah, yeah. he actually Weinberg read a couple of my books.
3: Yeah, um, yeah that's cool.
2: He, he, I know he's a, a hockey fan. He he's wrote
3: a hockey guy. He
2: is. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's
1: that's amazing. Anyway, Springsteen's not really a sports guy too much. He, he loves bad.
3: hot sauce. I can tell you that because I've yeah. learned that over the years. Springsteen is a a hot sauce connoisseur. Uh, one time, when, remember when the NHL was on break, you know, like one of those lockouts? I was doing a little supermarket work from the back end, and I was in northern Jersey helping out on like a set, and they, that's where they told me, hey, this is where Springsteen gets his cases of hot sauce
1: from. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. I love that. All Good. right, let's start here.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have the
1: order? Do we know what we're doing?
0: Yes, we do. Oh, yes. Russ follows, or Peter follows me.
1: Yep, then Russ, then Kevin. Okay, here we go. Don't get
0: sniped. <laughs>
1: Hello, Hockey World. It is Friday, November 2nd, 2018. I'm Michael Lagello.
4: I'm Peter Tessier.
1: I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology.
2: I'm Kevin Allen, USA Today Sports.
1: And I am Eklund, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the Hockey World. We had a lot of games last night. Yep. Um, I like 13 games. It's kind of crazy that you can't really get your hands yeah. on any game. like. I was trying to watch a bunch, um, and you know, and then of course you know the late, you have the late games, early games. I watched so, three or four, four of them. That's yeah, all. I watched the bits and pieces of each of them. Um, the ones that were interesting to me, and I actually got really intrigued by the Islanders Penguins game, and I tweeted about it a little bit. Um, and the Islanders now, who were that was, they, were, they won home and home. They won home and home against Penguins. They're five and zero oh against the Metro Division.
4: Yeah. Um, I think
1: Really, I mean, I, I think there's something special to this team. Like they, they remind me so much. Because when I when I fell in love with the Predators as a team to follow them, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they were they were a they there was Barry Trotz's you know first like you know say six or seven years in Nashville, and this team the just remind me so much of those Predators teams like there is, you know they had the Preds like back then they had like they, I guess they had Arnott right am I thinking Arnott was it before Arnott I'm trying to remember if they had Arnott yeah for a while yeah and they just and they had of course that was the first time through for um you know. They they had uh they Leguan. Leguan was you know they had these guys and Hartnell and and teaming in. and, and mm-hmm. they really had they, they were they were a fun team to watch because because trash just had them working so hard that they frustrated the hell out of teams and that is what the Islanders are like the Islanders are really that kind of a team I mean they are so similar and I mean for me who was crushed as by the Islanders in 1980 in the Stanley Cup Finals as a child might still
3: nice let's not talk about getting crushed. By the Islanders, Islanders
1: <laughs> Oilers, and please stop. For me to be saying this is something, okay? Um, I think that there's something – I mean, and like I said before, the three teams from the '80s—the Islanders, Oilers, and Canadians—are all flying right now, and it's fun. Okay. It's fun. It's fun great. to and watch this thing. I saw
3: that game too, and I yeah. come to the same conclusion that I did the day before yesterday. Barry Trotz is doing a great job with their defense, considering they don't have the best personnel. So he's he's really corralled that and done a nice job with it. The Penguins are dead in the water when their defense is the way it is without Schultz. I'm not even sure. Was Latang even in that game? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't okay. think so either. So you lose those two, the Penguins have nothing on defense.
1: It's a miracle they're even in games. So I thought, you- today, I, I thought today what we would do is go through the panel since we got everybody here and talk about if center, the center ice package is on. And just like for a second, assume you don't have an assignment to write for a certain team, you know, which, which we all do, but in different ways. And... Who are you watching? Like right now, what are the teams you're trying to watch? Like what are the teams that you want to see? Like for me, um, I'm I'm still watching. I'm not I'm not really like last year it was Vegas, right? I'm not really watching Vegas right now. Okay, I'm, I guess because they're not that interesting. I'm watching Nashville because Nashville's off to a great start. They're of course one of my favorite teams, but I'm watching them anyway because they're still really fun to watch. I'm watching the Islanders. I'm watching the Oilers. And I'm watching the Canadians. Um, Kevin, Kevin, what do you think about this? What uh, yeah,
2: you? I'm watching the Coyotes, uh, which okay. uh, you know they're playing. You know, maybe the best defensive. Of- game in the league right now they're oh, yeah. the lowest goals against average and i'm kind of intrigued by that team a little bit i'm curious about it um i'm watching the predators because they've been really really good and i'm watching the leaps like i'm really mm-hmm. fascinated by the Leafs, and even though they're not playing well without austin matthews yeah. um i continue to be you know interested in you know how they're going to perform because there's something about that team that um, I, I you know, I just think they're a good story, regardless of what happens to them. Well,
0: It's, it's funny, Kev, because when Eck asked that question, and, and you know, I'm covering the Leafs and I'm there all the time, one of the three teams right now, the way they're playing, wouldn't be the Leafs because I'm recently in their home games, and I, I, I said this on, on Twitter last night, the formula for the Leafs is 57 minutes of frustration and three minutes of, of exaltation. It's again. Like, they they don't they fall they fall they don't do much in the first two periods. They haven't scored I think five games at home in the first two periods, yeah. and then they get behind. And in a couple of the games, the one against Winnipeg when Matthews got hurt, they scored two goals late, mm-hmm. or a goal early and two goals late to win the game. But they they seem to think that they can turn it on in the last five minutes and and win. And they come close, but you have to put more of a, a 60 minute effort in and, and other teams are playing good defensively against them. But they have to fight through that and they haven't been able to lately. Let's go going back to Arizona
1: for a second too, because that, that, I think wow. that's really a really good one to touch base with um, if we could, because Arizona, um, I agree. They started off one and four, right? They were struggling. Right. It was it was like the end of the world was coming, you know, talk, it's yeah, gotta be yeah. gone soon. And yeah, wow. and now they've got two goalies. So, well, I mean, the. Your goalies i mean ron is, is, is off the charts right i mean he's playing incredible
2: well yeah and, and what's interesting is um you know again i i always look at it a little bit differently like mike was talking about the maple mm-hmm. Leafs team he's talking all in terms of you know how they're performing but you know i always like the kind of the storylines lines as well mm-hmm. and um what i like about the uh the coyote situation is not only are they playing the way they did at the end of last season when you know down the stretch they were one of the top teams in the league right. like they have an incredible record to close the season and but you know i'm still fascinated by the whole john Chaika situation <laughs> yes dubas is a big story this year because he's such a young gm for such a, a historic uh, franchise in toronto but chica is still three years plus younger than dubas right he's been in the league three years he's 29 years old and and running this team and he's been a very very aggressive general manager if you look at Num- you know, he calls himself transactional. That's how he yeah. uh, describes his style. And he really has. I mean, you know, he's made bold trades. You know, supposedly he was going to have a hard time, you know, sort of fitting with the older generation of general managers. I mean, Lou Lamarillo is, what, 47 years older than Chica? Um, yeah. But he's made big trades. Uh, you know, the Galchenyuk and Domi trade, you know, that's a nineteen-fifty style of trade. So I'm sort of intrigued by this team that he's put together with one hand tied behind his back because his budget isn't, you know, very good. Uh, and they've got some good young players. Uh, Clayton Keller is a is a terrific young player. I think Ekman Larson is playing a little bit differently than he has in the past. I think Tockett has grown as a as a coach. And, uh, you know, I think Ranta is underrated as a goalie. And uh, Chayka said last year when he signed Kemper that, you know, he wanted two goalies that he could count on, and he, he really has, has them. I'll tell you, were playing pretty well.
3: So. I've been impressed, too. Uh, I spoke to Chica a bit last February at the Five Nations, and, and I saw him interacting with the other GMs, and, yeah, he gets along great with them. There's no issue there. He's actually pretty interested in scouting himself. So I felt like he wasn't just there for show. He actually really was watching guys, too. But the one thing I'm worried about with this team still is Jacob Chikran. They're doing this without him, which is great. But at the beginning of the year, we kept saying, they kept saying, hey, he's going to make it. He's going to make it by training camp. Then training camp happened. Then all of a sudden, we didn't hear anything. And then I saw two days ago that he was just cleared for contact. But again, that could still be weeks away. Like until I see him on the ice playing regularly, I'm still going to be a little bit worried about him and his injuries because they really do need him. They're not going to be able to keep this up without him. But if they get him and play like this,
0: they could be a playoff team.
2: Yeah, they could be. I agree with that.
0: One of the key things for the, for the Coyotes is that, I mean, they just got Gelchenyuk back. I mean, he's played right. four games. He's got four points. You know, they're not, a, I mean, they have a lot of offensive talent, but it really hasn't come to the forefront yet. I'm looking at their stats right now, and Keller is leading the team with eight points, five goals, and three assists. You know, there, there's more talent than there than meets the eye they're doing it with defense and that's that's a good thing but eventually you know they're going to need some of these veteran guys that they brought in like grabner and galchenyuk through via the trade they're going to need them to step up and provide some support it can't be all on the back of of keller and dylan strome and the young guys yeah i'll tell you now teams wise my number
3: one team to watch if it's outside the metro because it's just for fun is colorado
0: yeah i was going to say that
3: i was just talking about hamenev just this morning on, on Stella consumer and he's starting to come together. They got him in that big trade. So they've done pretty well for themselves trade wise. If you want to talk about somebody doing well on trades, Kevin, it's Joe Sackett, the return mm-hmm. gotten in Gerard and Hamenev and just the production he's getting out of Rantanen and now Varlamov again, he has two bullies. They, they still have Grubauer there. Like they're, a team that probably doesn't get talked about enough, and they're a dangerous, dangerous team. Minnesota, who I believe will win the West, still I watch, and I'm fully invested. And Mike can laugh, but they're winning games. No, they get hundred points. They will, they will absolutely get a hundred points. And I think this year the key to them, like I said, is Stahl and Parisi. If Stahl and Parisi are healthy when the playoffs start, mm-hmm. I do really think they can go far because Granlin's also off to a great start. So they're they're fun, and then. Beyond that, I do start watching the East after that.
0: Mm. Yeah, Colorado. Colorado. Go, go ahead,
3: Peter.
4: I was going to say Colorado. I'm, I'm turning into a bit of a Nathan McKinnon junkie. Like that guy, he's just so much fun to watch, Um, and and the whole team and Rantanen and Landeskog. I think they're the best line in the NHL right now. Hockey, it is. Um, The other team and old, you know, I watch because I'll stay up a little bit and. You know, it's my old stomping grounds, but as Canucks, because I think, I mean, Pedersen is something special. Yes, but despite the flack that and and I delivered it here, I think we all did during the summer for Jim Benning. Uh, that he, I, he I was not giving him. Okay, stuff. I know Mike and I definitely. Yeah, there's something that's working there, and it's it's not going to be a, a, an incredible team at this point, but something is working there. And they're exceeding expectations quite nicely. So I, I definitely like to watch them. And the coach, I don't um, think Travis Green gets enough credit. Yeah. He's Travis a Green a guy. I actually really enjoy seeing his press conferences. I like yeah. the way he answers questions. I like the way he thinks about stuff and how he yeah. talks about things. He doesn't get um, enough credit, I'm telling you. Well, yeah. this is the, this I, is the, Nashville, I like as well. I also, when I can, and it's rare for me, but I like watching the stars. Mm-hmm. There's something interesting about the stars that, that I find sort of really intriguing um, about them and that, you know, and I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what comes down with the dred- deadline with them and what they do with Jason Spezza if they're in a playoff position and how they address that issue. I will tell you this, Jim Montgomery
3: putting Spezza and Sagan on the penalty kill, which Mike saw in person, yeah. great move. Their penalty kill just kills you. The minute the puck carrier gets into the offensive zone, they attack him. And yeah you can get rid of it quickly and get guys set up they derail that and they really did hurt the leafs on the pk like that was something where the leafs didn't look like they had an answer uh, the other thing is i do watch the leafs too but i had I, I do have a question maybe kevin can answer this mike babcock i saw him putting gum in his mouth you know on the bench i'm thinking he's like a wrigley spearmint or a juicy fruit guy but i'm not sure
2: i, I think it's ice chips he puts in his mouth
4: oh it's ice chips <laughs>
2: yeah 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 yeah, he's that's what he used to do. I don't you know unless he's
4: right. Mike Keenan trick.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he just loads up on ice chips.
0: Interesting. So. Okay. Uh speaking of speaking of Babcock without uh, make, turning this into leaf talk, but uh an interesting thing came out. Um uh, now I, I I don't know who it was in Detroit, Kev, that that was asking questions about uh to uh Henrik Zetterberg regarding hey, his wow, relationship wow. with Thank uh you. And Babcock, But uh, there was a apparently he, he had uh, he was he was interviewed and there were some comments about how him and Babcock didn't get along too well. There, there, were, there were there were times they got along, there were times that they didn't get along. It, the act got old after a while, it got, it got frustrating for Datsuk and Zetterberg. It's something that's pretty widely known. And Babcock was asked about these comments today. He says, I remember Z, uh, Z meaning Zetterberg, being mad a few times. I also remember Zetterberg putting his name on the cup for the rest of his life. So <laughs> Babcock is just was justifying his, you know, his, uh, you know, the way he operates, um, by by saying that if you follow what's going on you know you're going to win and and I actually I was in a scrum yesterday with Roman Pollock the former leaf who's now playing with Dallas and he essentially said the same thing he says you know Babcock is a taskmaster he expects you to do things he's not any worse than Ken Hitchcock or I think Andy Murray was the other guy that Pollock said but what he did say was you know he expects you to do something and for a sort of meat and potatoes guy like Pollock it was easy cuz the, the expectations were you know get the puck out of the zone do this do that for star players Know they have all these offensive talents and he wants them to be two way players and he gets on their cases, so that's you know that's where I think Babcock he gets on the nerves of some of the star players, but in the end, they win. So that's the price you have to pay. I
2: mean, what I would say about that is it's kind of like the old Scotty Bowman line when he was with the Canadians, where and I can't remember whether it was Steve Shutt or Larry Robinson, but somebody said we we hated Scotty. Bowman for 364 days, and on the 365th day, we won a Stanley Cup. And, <laughs> right. It was very similar to that in Detroit, um, but the difference is, is they always tried to draw comparisons between um, Babcock and and uh, Scotty Bowman because they were both in Detroit, but their styles were completely different. You know, Scotty Bowman never really communicated with players, and right. he, you, you basically knew how you stood by how he played you. And he, you know, he's not a guy that would engage you in a conversation and ask you how you felt. One of the issues that Babcock had with the players is that, is, as Mike knows, he is confrontational with players. And the, what happened is, is there was some tension between, uh, Franzen and, and, uh, um, uh, Babcock and the Swedish players in particular were really taken aback of, on how Mike and, uh, handled that, uh, with, uh, Franz, and they thought he was too public uh with it and that sort of caused some some friction that lasted for a very long time between the swedish players and as you as everyone knows there were many of them you know on the on the team and that included kind of uh you know zetterberg but um you know babcock that's the difficulty is is that you know he's he's a, he's pretty uh he's like a drill sergeant essentially he's always in your face always trying to keep you on your toes and always pushing you and it, you know, it does kind of grow old, but um, it's amazing. Like the Red Wings will complain Mm -hmm. about how he was, but, you know, they always sort of understood that he prepared them better than most coaches are capable of doing. So that's the difference.
0: One of of the things that was brought up in uh, some of the post game stuff yesterday was you know because teams like Calgary and St. Louis and you know they who were struggling when they came into Toronto and Dallas who's been sort of up, or, up and down they're they're a pretty decent team with a lot of talent but there's been some ups and downs with them um you know that there is no there is no game now even if you're playing Detroit or the, some of the bottom dwellers in the league that where you can say oh you can just mail it in and you're going to get two points mm-hmm. if you look at the NHL standings right now 31 teams. There are only seven that are under 500. Every one of them is either a 500 record, and I know that it's a little skewed with the loser point thing, but a little. 24 teams are either 500 or better, and you know, it, it, it's. I think it's the truth. I think you can't say, okay, we're going to play the LA Kings, even or the LA Kings or the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit's won three in a row. It, it, you you can't mail in an effort and expect to win in this league anymore. No.
2: no, it's for, absolutely for sure. And, you know, with Detroit, you know, I saw them early and I thought they were for sure the worst team in the league. Now the veteran defensemen are back and, um, you know, they're credible. Um, yeah. You know, the younger players like Rasmussen has scored two goals in two games and uh-huh. younger players are sort of sorting it out. And meanwhile, you know, guys that have been around the block are keeping the score competitive and Howard has been good. Yeah. So, you know, if he's going to be good, they've got a shot, but um, you know, there's just too many holes on that team, and there's too many people trying to, you know, learn to be, you know, to sustain this. But you know, we look at the teams that we all thought were going to be near the bottom. You right. know, the Ottawa Senators are better than we, we expected. The Vancouver Canucks are better than we expected. The Carolina Hurricanes are better than some people thought they're going to be. The Islanders are better than a lot of people thought they were going to be. You know, the bottom has really sort of all risen up
3: um Yeah, and,
2: we're not even and, the of yet. It's, it's not a the game. We well, it. I mean, uh, yeah, Ross. I mean, that's fairly obvious that we're early in the season. But my point is, is that <laughs> th- those teams were all expected to be slow out of the gate, and right. you know, and everything else. But you know, will it even out? Well, for sure. Well, you
0: know. and and that's the thing. I don't think when we were looking at these teams and looking at the beginning of the season. I think in our minds we're saying they're going to be like Colorado bad from a couple of years ago where they have 48 points. Yeah. They, may be, they may be bad, but they may be in the late, in the high sixties or low seventies. Right. They may be not be completely out of it. It's just, they're not as good as the teams that we think are going to make the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Right. No, yeah, the difference, I mean, GM say it all the time, but it's just the difference between the playoff teams and the bottom teams are, um, you know, it just isn't as great as it once was. And, you know, to be honest, I think we like that. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if everybody was exactly how they thought they were going to be, it wouldn't be any fun to watch to watch the games. You know, sure. so I mean, uh, I'll
3: say this: there, you know, there are some teams in some sports that are unwatchable. I don't think anybody, I don't think there's any team I would deem unwatchable. Buffalo Bills.
0: <laughs> Sorry,
1: no, I mean I mean the NHL. Yeah. The NHL. Yeah, I think I think you're right. So. No, I think right. I think you're right about that. I really do. Um, I, and you know, I mean, another thing. So, Peter, who are you watching? Like, what teams are you? What teams interest you? Uh, I
4: I. I Colorado for sure, Vancouver, exactly. Dallas, and obviously Nashville as well. And you know, I'll yeah. take any central game, but those are my top ones and mm-hmm. hands down. Colorado because I just love what McKinnon does. I'm turning into a McKinnon junkie.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he, he can definitely. He is definitely entering that level. Like to me, there, there, I, I feel like you know, like the whole Gretzky, the Mew thing when I was a kid, and then below that there was Howard Chuck and Eisenman. Right, that's how I always saw things. You know, back then there was a, there was that one level, and then there was that lower level, and now I think there's. McDavid and Matthews. And then below that McKinnon, maybe like is McK or is McKinnon like up there or is just you know, we've had this debate. many it's times. That line, it's
0: that line. It's that entire first line. That's it. Oh yeah. No, yeah. no. For, go ahead, and
2: people have been talking about this too, actually around the league. I'm sure Mike's heard it too. You know, for the longest time it was twosomes that we were dealing with. Yeah. And we now have some lines going where all three guys are, crucial, yeah. you know, um, yeah. And uh, you know that's that's a, a a little bit different too. So you know
1: what's crazy is people aren't even really paying attention to how great Malkin and Crosby are playing right now. But the two of them are are out of their minds. I mean, Malkin has seventeen points. Crosby is the hottest player in the last couple of weeks of the of, of, of the year. I mean, and the Pittsburgh's always fun to watch. But you know, At this
3: point Malkin's better than Fedorov. I mean, he's probably going to go down as the best Russian player when he's done. I had in a different era or even just if Sidney Crosby wasn't in this league, we would be talking about him as the best player in the league, possibly. Uh, I
2: I, I say all the time that, you know, if there was a four-year period when everybody was debating whether it was Ovechkin and Crosby was the better player, they were sort of going back and forth. But I always said there were periods of of each season when Malkin was the best player in the league. Right. Just because, you know, he was so – you know dominant but i, I actually did. have a question that i wanted to post everybody because and I, I think everyone would enjoy answering this who's the one team that you want to see better because you want to watch them yeah. it's, the, it's, the, it's the oilers you know i i really want the oilers to be better because I, I love watching mcdavid but you know they you know i need that team to be more competitive and yeah. uh, that's the team i'd love to see get better
1: yeah, well, I want to see him better because I picked him to win the division. But
0: they- <laughs> <laughs> For me, for
3: me, it's the Panthers. I, I mean, I'm really yes. – i yeah. I'm, I'm on Bob Bugner's case because you can't blame everything 100% on the Roberto Luongo being out because even when he comes back, you don't know that he's not going to go back out. At some point, well, the coach, with the talent – hold on, Mike. With the talent yes. on that team, at some point, the coach has to do something
4: with these players, and right now they're doing
3: nothing. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm,
4: I'm with I, you, Russ. I had not watched the Panthers until yesterday's game in the Global Series. Look, there's some challenges to goaltending. That's obvious, right? But some of those penalties, my goodness. Yeah. And you, you give Patrick Liney those that many opportunities to reset yeah. his in you know, his home country, where half the people in the stands are wearing yeah. Liney jerseys. Yeah. If you want him on that stage? You're going to let him wind up.
2: Yeah. You, can I can don't, I blame at least one Panther player though? Yeah so, um I just you know I just expect more out of ekblad yeah. like you know no. this year I mean no. he had 16 goals last year and yeah. I really thought this season he was going to come roaring out of the gate and he did get a bunch of shots on goal yesterday <laughs> but he has really been almost non-existent. I, um, yeah.
0: I mean can we can we say he hasn't been the same player since before the since before the concussions I mean uh, yeah. yeah
2: no we true. can
0: say that that's true too that's a no, part of no. it and you know and um no, no. I, let, let me just say this. I, one of the teams I, I, I like to watch is Winnipeg because I, I I really think they're they're an entertaining team. And I and I was able to watch the uh, the, the game uh, from the media room at the at Scotiabank yesterday. And I, I, Russ, I, I again I have to go back to it. There were two goals that went through James Reimer like a hot knife through butter. You know, that, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's like, I mean, I, you can't, you can say, okay, it can't but be all in
3: there who's not the greatest goalie, but he's good enough. He's still getting besieged. Like, their defense isn't doing anything.
0: No, but yeah. but, they, but they need they need Luongo to be Luongo for them it, to have a chance you know. to win. They need a system that works. Right. They need a coach that has to really get on these
3: guys, like Peter said, and not take these penalties. They yeah. have a lot of offensive firepower on
4: that team. Yeah, they get it off can skate. I mean, they they should be yeah. way better than last in the league. Here's, I mean, you know, like Reimer had two of Line's goals. I mean, one he probably could have had, but it was a pretty shifty wrister. The slap shot, it was out of the net before <laughs> Reimer even knew it was in. Like, I yeah. mean, it was yeah, they were. It's hard to pin that
1: on, Rymer. I mean, I mean, Langer yeah. will calm them down for sure. Hutchinson's been horrible for them. I mean, that's been, that's been a yeah. really, I mean, he's been really bad. But, um, you know, I think that, I mean, goaltending to me is when you look at the teams in the bottom of the league, that's what you see, right? You see the goaltending of those teams in the bottom of the league. And it. I know Kevin's always had the great expression that this sport should be called goalie, but this year it really feels like it because it's just, if your goaltending is struggling, you're down low, you know, and, um, I mean, and there are a few exceptions. I mean, the Flyers are sort of in the middle of the pack. They've got the worst save percentage in the league, but they're yeah. still in the middle of the pack because they're scoring enough goals. But a lot of teams, and the Kings, watching the Kings Flyers last night, that's a team I want to be better. Like, if I'm going to say, I'm going to go with Kevin, the Kings, like, th- that just feels wrong to watch how bad they are right now. Yeah. That is the worst <laughs> team. Like, since, since, the, the, since these have been the Kings, in Kopitar's Kings, let's say, um, this is this is by far the worst Kings team. This, this It's not, they are... They look disoriented.
3: I'll answer to the Kings, too. I also want to mention Florida is the lowest scoring team in the East. I want that to sink in for a minute. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. For that kind of firepower they have. that, that
3: nothing to do, you do with the goaltending. That's zero to do with the goaltending. All right. That Kings game, I can't even say the Flyers are playing better. The Kings are no. dysfunctional on a five-on-three, but I'm going to tell you what I saw that I think was dysfunctional. You can't have Jeff Carter and Ilya Kovalchuk on the same side of the ice when they're both shoot-first guys. They don't know what to do. And that was part of the problem on the five on three. It's like, are you shooting? Are you shooting? You know, it's like, and then finally Kovalchuk was just going to shoot and he's shooting right into guys blocking the puck. Yeah. Was really bad. It was right.
1: bad. This Flyers road trip has never shown more the um, the concept that my, my, my grandmother used to say this, that dysfunctional families are relative. <laughs> right. <laughs> that expression. Um, because you realize that you think the Flyers look dysfunctional to go to the West. They go into Anaheim and LA. And that's a whole, there's a whole other level of dysfunction going on in those two cities. Because you can yeah. see What's happening with both of those with both of those teams? Especially. And the
0: Kings are slogging five on five. They are, yeah. and they, they they've only scored twenty four. They're, they're averaging two goals per game. Twenty four goals in twelve games. But their defense is terrible too. You know who, and you
1: know who really looks dis disconnected um, to me more than any other player on the Kings. Is Doughty? It's Doughty. It's Doughty, yeah. Doughty looks terrible, and that, that's like, he's he's on, the,
3: on the power play. I'll say that,
1: but yeah, but he's signed his enormous contract, you know, so he's coming in like this guy who's he's got to do. He's, I mean, there. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen there. It feels as if, I mean, it, they really need to change their coach. And I'm sorry about the Stevens or whatever, but that team is just not playing. They, they I think ultimately
3: really that's going to happen. I think Blake will try and make a move if he can, but if he can't, he's going to end up changing the coach. But again, that's a team where you look at the personnel and you say there still has to be more than a coaching change there because the personnel just not up to what this league is. It's not a matter of talent. It's a matter of how they play, how they attack the game.
1: Yeah, It's, it's, I'm telling you, they yeah. should be. The King's strength, which was always that King's team. The one that won the Stanley cup was better at getting the puck out of their own end in transition yeah. than anybody. Right. And that's been their strength forever. And they are horrible at it right now. They have no, so, I mean, I remember watching the Kings in the Stanley Cup Finals game saying, man, they just have it together. The guy gets behind the the You guys on the board with that, like here, that, like there, he's going to move it. And they're yeah. and there. They're, and nope, it's uh, a have-
2: know they, they suffer from the Kings do uh, a malady that it is in all of sports and affects all sports. And that is, is you, you fall in love with all your players and, you know, you don't change enough of them up after you've won. And. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they all end up with unbelievable contracts. And then, you know, they get older and they're not performing at the same level. Um, and, you know, they probably obviously stuck with this group, you know, too long. And, yeah. you know, with Doughty and Kopitar and Quick, uh, even in a speed game with a team that's not so fast, you would think they would be better than they are. But yeah. obviously, Quick is hurt and Kopitar is off to a slow start. And I think Eck was right on the money when he said... Doubt he just doesn't, he just looks to be out of sync. So yeah,
0: you know. yeah, and even winning crease battles. Sorry. And I don't and I don't know how Rob Blake gets out of it. Say, say you know, we were talking about this a couple days ago, Kev. It, it, you look at the kings and say this goes on for another month and they're way, way out of it, and it's time to they they, they go through the mindset of okay, well, we can change the coach and they can do they can do that. But if their their mindset is to reset or rebuild or do something, they can't really do it because they've got all these veteran guys on long-term contracts, like Brown and Kopitar and Carter and Kovalchuk and the four guys. And I think they can move a Martinez or a Muzzin, but they're young enough and they're good. So why would you want to? I mean, where do they go? How do they? How do they do that reset? Well,
2: I mean, I think the way to do it is, is you, you know, you're 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 you know, you're committed to Dowdy and Kopitar. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are exceptional right. players. Sure. And Quick is still a great goalie, but he's got to yeah. stay healthy. So I think you gotta work you know around the edges. I mean, you know, what added to the the uh, you know when the penguins won, it's you know, adding you know, Shiri, Russ, all the extra guys that kind of make the team, you know, faster. And you know, I've had this conversation and I was kind of working on a story where it only takes two or three guys with great speed to sort of change the speed of your team. And I <laughs> I, I think that's probably what they're gonna have to do. I mean, they're committed as, as you said to a lot of these guys, but, you know, they're going to have to find a way, you know, to move out, uh, you know, the Tanner Pearsons and the, you know, just the, the, the secondary group and replace them with fresher, younger legs. I think that's the key too. And then that group that was so like why they were running Stanley
1: Cups where they're great third and fourth lines, you know, those guys aren't great for them anymore and they're still there, mm-hmm. them. you know, and, and they, and there is definitely talking to Kings fans, like lifer King fans, they are, you know, they're like pining for dean lombardi to come back like they, they have this feeling like That's you know not the answer. it's not And I, i'm not and i love rob blake is one of the most interesting people and one of the best people in the sport right so i'm, I'm not moving on him but there's he has he does have a stigma among kings fans of a of a time when the kings weren't very good you know with rob blake and, and there's a feeling like this is a return to those king teams i've gotten that from a couple of my friends out there who are just like yeah, I mean we had, you know, Blake and Robotai, I don't know, those teams were really bad, you know, and, and Yeah, they really, <laughs> they
0: really they really sucked in ninety three,
1: didn't they? Yeah. Um, well they obviously, you know, they got the great one, right? But there were other team before that, there were some teams in there yeah. that
3: were here's what I think's killing him too, heck. And this started last year with injuries. In in his last thirty nine games, Jeff Carter has twenty nine points. Yeah. He may not be the same player anymore, and they got him at three more years at five point two, and it just reminds me of Rick Nash when I'm watching him play.
1: It does. Yeah, and you know, that's a great comparison because I remember even in Jeff Carter in his whole career. I mean, I remember talking about him in Philly. He was, there were two different Jeff Carters. We used to say this yeah. in the press box. Like You've heard me say this a thousand times, right? where there's the Jeff Carter that's that plays like Matt Sundin used to play. Like where you going to the net, crashing the net, taking great shots, really attacking. And then there's the, there's the Jeff Carter that plays like Rick Nash as like a perimeter player on the outside. And that Rick Nash, Jeff Carter is hard, and is not is just horrible for what you're paying. You know, and right. that's horrible, But you know, you just don't want that. You know, that's not what you get from him. And if he's not going at the net, like he, the goal he scored last night. That was a real Jeff Carter type goal. That was actually yeah. a really good goal because he went to the net. He made a little move, and he's got quick hands, and he did all that stuff. But um, he had three goals on the season, though. Yeah, but moving up north to Vancouver for a second, there's another yeah. team that like that I think that we have to touch base with for a second because Vancouver is. So is playing so well, and they are playing with so many injuries. But like, let's admit that, like, it, you know, Elias Pettersson, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, comes back and he is just he, he just doesn't skip a beat. Like, not he's one of the best players in the league. I—I've been saying it all year. It's astonishing that you know. Usually, when a rookie gets hit with a hit out with a hit like that, he's a little hesitant to go behind the net or make yeah. plays. Not this kid. This kid, Peter. I—I little...
0: don't know what to. Chicago Blackhawk players were they they were on the replay that I saw but he made a move at at center ice on two Hawks in the recent game and they broke they both broke their ankles I mean it was it was essentially he deked them out going into the offensive zone and they both sort of like just lost their footing and and fell down because it was such a quick move I mean he's really slick it
4: He's he's deadly good in a yeah. lot of ways, and yeah. he's you know got to be rookie of the year. Teams are gonna. I mean, teams are figuring them. Out. They they always do. Like you know, you players. You know, you, what you get away with right now, you may not get away with in February or March. They will adjust. The scouting will get better on them. Players will learn. But this is a kid who is is apparently undersized. All the things we say shouldn't work. Yet his skill and vision is ridiculous, and he's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah,
3: last year, middle of the season, I was talking to Shell Samuelson in Philly, and we talked for about a half hour about Elias Peterson. And it was just, you know, we're probably the only two guys in the rink that would even talk about him. And he was saying that what he was seeing over there was just super great. Like he couldn't stop, you know, raving about how ready he thought – that he was, you know, and so now you fast forward it to now. So it's, it's it's not really a shock. The thing that will be hard to do as far as shutting him down is he's not a pass first guy and he's not a shoot first guy. I know so it's going to be hard. He's one of those guys that will decoy it, too. So he and he is a great passer. So if they do start to just think, let's just attack him while he's got the puck. He doesn't hold on to the puck for very long.
1: See, that's the mistake that people made when Forsberg first came in the league, right? right. And then they learned you can't <laughs> – so, so then Forsberg got all Sometimes kinds of – really
3: In him, in, in, in some of his stick moves and, and everything else, but I don't even think Forsberg had this kind of shot.
4: No, no.
3: I mean, just, just a deadly shot where you can get top shelf, short side all the time.
1: Really, of all the players he reminds me of, and, you know, because I'd be interested in your thought, Kevin, on this one, because I – but at first, I was thinking, oh, you know, somebody told me, somebody told me that he was Zetterberg, like, and I, I don't really see that too much. I see him, I see him much more as as actually Datsuk, like, like he really does remind me of Datsuk in the way he slows the game down and. Yeah,
2: well, he's definitely not Zetterberg. I mean, Zetterberg has never been a skater. Yeah, though. yeah. Um, I, you know, yeah, he's a little bit of you know, of everything. You know, he protects yeah. the puck like Forsberg, um, but you know, he's got some magic in his game. He's got some. Nazlin in him. he's got yeah yeah he's you know he's a every swedish i mean i'm going to be stereotypical here and i hate it when i yeah i do this but the swedes are always so good at protecting the puck like it's almost like that's what they teach swedish um hockey because they come in and he he does that well he's he's got some dazzle he's definitely the best you know, rookie they they've seen uh, since since Bure. I mean, he's that dynamic.
3: Yeah. Anybody know what his shooting percentage is this year? I'll I'll yeah. check. Yeah. You know, I, know, I know it's thirty six
2: point
1: eight. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> to me, to well, me,
3: he doesn't I,
2: he doesn't waste his shots. That's no, for sure. <laughs> no.
1: I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if that thing Kevin has anything to do with these kids in Sweden all playing so much soccer. Like it feels, yeah. A, maybe. yeah no, that's a,
2: that's a good theory, you know. Yeah,
1: you because know, there's a similar thing. They're all really good with their feet. They're all very good with their feet, sweets too. Like as far as get kicking the puck from their from their skate to their stick, they're incredible at that. Plus, protecting the protecting the ball or protecting the puck is a big thing in soccer. Right? Yeah. So, you know,
2: well, the two best I've ever seen in the NHL. It'd be interesting to get Russ's thoughts. Uh, but uh, you know Forsberg and Zetterberg were the two best I saw at protecting the puck. Yeah, I can't
3: uh, think of anybody better. I mean,
2: those yeah, guys—they—they were, they, they were incredible. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah
4: Forsberg was otherworldly at that skill, and you know. Yeah.
2: If, Forsberg's the best. I he yeah. was incredible. I mean,
3: problems. He, you know, he would be as good as Lemieux, but he had the foot problem, and that was the thing about Forsberg that just sort of derailed him. So last year, just to give you an idea that that year with Pedersen. And what was he 18 then? At 18 playing against men, he had twenty-four goals in forty-four games and fifty-six points. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's
1: like a like hundred and fifty-point season or whatever would be in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: The <laughs> other thing about Forsberg, uh, where he was among the Swedish leaders was in personality. Like yeah. I loved Forsberg's personality. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he was a little you know kind of chippy yet he was cooperative like all swedes like
0: the humor he would he would yeah, he was yeah. yeah. And, and he's almost the exact opposite of matt sundin who you know was a was a really good guy and a know really liked in the locker room but was not sort of he was a blend yeah he's sort of bland and that's yeah, why I, yeah.
2: I mean he's very vanilla sundin was bland vanilla and to be honest most of the swedes are like i i was very friendly with nicholas lidstrom and you know he ranks among my all-time top favorite players he was very helpful to me uh, but you know he's not was not a great quote ever right. you know and it, he's capable he was a very bright creative guy but you know that's I, just I not, never
3: had a chance to cover Tomas Sandstrom i imagine he might have been a good quote
2: he was terrific yeah he was one of the all-time you know greats but he was very north american and yeah, the- he he yeah, you know yeah
0: and, and after the interview he would have slashed you on the wrist
2: yeah well <laughs> The best Swedish quote of all time was Alfie. Yeah, so, Al- Alfie Samuelson was yeah. just fantastic. Uh, as a, awesome.
4: as a I remember
1: the first time I met I, I met Forsberg face to face, actually as in person. I was taken by the fact that he looked like if I held a hockey stick up, he could bite through it with his jaw. Like <laughs> it was something about like, his
2: I'm gonna, face. i to tell like you something about him. That's one of my favorite little. Just kind of stories that Pierre Lacroix told me. And, um, you know, Gordie Howe played at the same 203 pounds, uh, six foot, uh, uh, his entire career. Um, but, you know, obviously he played at a time when the average height and weight was 5'10, 175. So right. Glenn Howe always used to say that Gordie seemed six foot eight. <laughs> so, no. But anyway, uh, Gordie Howe played within three pounds his entire career of that 203. It's exactly the playing weight, and he's exactly the same size that Peter Forsberg was. <laughs> Gordie Howe and Peter Forsberg played in the NHL at yeah. exactly the same height and weight. Isn't that yeah. crazy? I mean
1: that that is a crazy thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just and Gordy seems so much bigger. You know, obviously. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean,
3: comparatively, Pedersen will put up Forsberg numbers for this era. No,
0: yeah,
1: oh. I think so too. And I, I just, I just, I just, I just love watching the guy play. I mean, Forsberg also had like. He was the king of Sweden, you know, like he was beyond like beyond everything else, like the Crocs thing, which he barely made more money on Crocs than he made in the NHL. Someone said that the other day. I heard that. They <laughs> made yeah. more
2: money endorsing Crocs. Well, Salming made more money on underwear, didn't he? Didn't right. Salming, yeah, yeah. But
0: he did it for a long time. That guy stayed in shape for so long. So Salming and Bjorn Borg made more money on undergarments than they did in their professional right. career. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And I was
1: also told that De Forsberg, despite making all this money, his dad was a big financial guy. I was told that Forsberg lived on an incredibly small budget, like and and like just like, just ridiculous. Like put himself on like a two hundred thousand dollar a year salary or whatever, um, you know, which is a lot of money for people. But when you're making eight million dollars or whatever, you know,
2: um, well, I'm I'm going to give you a name of a guy who was incredibly frugal with his money that will shock you. Okay. And I know this because I did a book with him, and that's Brett Hall. Brett wow. Hall was a very frugal man. He he still has in an investment in an account somewhere the the original one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that he got as a signing bonus.
3: Wow! His,
2: his stepfather was a financial manager, and he put it all in. You know, he didn't buy a car. Didn't he, he put everything he got on his bonus? Wow! In a, because you know, like in a million dollar annuity or whatever it was back then. Right. That's, that's he was very frugal. He's very careful with. This.
4: No. You know, Kevin, I have a I have a friend of mine. He's a business associate who um, worked with a lot of AHL players doing that, and he talked them into um, particularly people out of Manitoba when the moose are here, and working with their signing bonuses. Um, three of these guys later became my clients. Three, all all three of them owned multiple homes, rented them out great real estate investments and we're set and they all credit the idea that someone told me what to do with my signing bonus
2: okay yeah
0: well so we do have pretty, news. yeah yeah let me, i got a couple things here uh first of all the tampa bay lightning have extended yanni Gord six years at 5.166 mil um again we were talking about this a
4: couple
0: 5.1 5.16 per now we were talking about this a couple days ago kev Braden Point is gonna hit the mother load uh next year on a deal. I, I don't think it's gonna be you know the bridge thing. I mean it's gonna to have to be. I mean, he he's had three great years coming, you know, as as a rookie, and then you know, this year and last year as well. He's gonna probably make six, six and a half, seven million dollars on a new contract. I mean, there's gonna to have to be a lot of change over. Well, I
3: think Coburn yeah. comes off the books. I think Jordan yeah, you
0: Keep know. comes off the books, but I think they're going to have to trade
3: Tyler Johnson. I just don't see how they're going to be able to keep all these forwards. So I think by signing Gord now, Tyler Johnson's going to be expendable in the off season.
2: That's well, I, I think they are going to trade Tyler Johnson. I agree with you on that. But the one thing we all need to keep in mind, and I, you know, I always send it to my readers. I mean, just do the math, you know, divide 23 players by where we are in the salary cap. Right. I, we're all still sort of looking at the cap as if it was five, six years ago, like yeah. it, it's crept up to the point where $5 million is not a outrageous amount of money. I mean, I, I tend to think as reporters and I'm yeah. guilty of this too. We tend to look at what we've sort of not grown up with, but what we've been writing about for four or five years. So yeah. that money isn't really that much anymore.
0: Um, no, but, and, but yeah. you know, of course, of course, morphing into the territory where act we'll have to take a drink. Um, when you have a team like Toronto that they're paying Tavares 11 million, they're going to probably pay to, uh, Matthews anywhere close to that, or maybe even more. And Marner is probably going to get close, you know, in, in the eight to nine range, that's where, you know, the whole thing with, with William Nylander, you know, they're trying to get him signed under seven and, and him and his representatives want eight, eight and a half, you know, you, There's a certain amount of players that you can pay the big money to and then afterward you just gotta say we can't do this. And I I I, I, I'm still getting the impression being in Toronto as much as I am, Kev, is that you know it the 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 Rubicon was passed last week after Dubas went to Switzerland. Uh, and talked to Lewis Gross in New York, and there was no there, from every indication out there. Everybody out there was saying, you know, there's there's a stalemate, there's an impasse, there's no there's no progress whatsoever. And then Dubas goes on this grand tour of like four or five different NHL seasons, series or cities, excuse me, um, which is unusual for uh, late October. So I mean, and then yesterday, as I, I tweeted out. You know, Rick Dudley was at the uh, Scotiabank Arena for the fourth time in two weeks, and three Carolina scouts were there. I mean, the, the, there's so much circumstantial evidence and so much smoke out there that Neylander – maybe he's not being shopped, but that teams are are real, are preparing for the potential for him being traded that you can't
2: ignore it anymore.
3: Yeah, I think it's yeah. the same as like a well, Sears store going out of business. I was at Sears today. I'll be back tonight.
2: <laughs> go yeah, go I – I, I agree with you. I mean, I think they are really exploring trades, and I think um, the Carolina Hurricanes are a good option. They've got a lot of good young defensemen, yeah. and I think not only are they trying to get a top four defenseman, but, and, I, and I pretty much know this to be the case. What they're really looking for is some cost certainty in, yes. in, with that player, yeah. you know, try, just right. because they need to be the But I, I am going to repeat what I said the other day. I sure hope that Kyle Dubis has less angst and feels less pressure about it than you you do on this. Like, <laughs> you know, probably, uh, I just
0: I, I love trade. That's that's a thing, Cap. I love
3: <laughs> trades. I, 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 I love lightning though, because here's their cap next year. They're they're right now they they look to be about seventy four, and they have to sign point. The year after they have to sign uh, Vasilevsky and Zgrachov.
2: Yeah. Well, oh. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to trade Johnson.
1: I I don't think. The have I, mean, I want to touch one thing before we get out of here because it's really interesting. I think that, and we have not much time left. Um, so many things on my topic here. You got every if you go see the save that um Pekka made on point last night. If you can find it, that was ridiculous. Like one of the saves of the year. Pekka in that game was like, how old is Pekka He looked ridiculously good last night against Tampa. Um. <laughs> So why, the NHL like to your point, Mike about trades. The NHL just doesn't have like the mojo that other leagues have in trades. Like I'm I'm here in Philly, Kevin. You're in Detroit. The Eagles and Eagles and Lions make this trade this week, right? Where they get, the Eagles get
2: Golden, yeah, golden Tate. Yeah.
1: Who is a I mean, I'm not a football guy as much, but I've seen. I, I know who he is. He's a very good receiver, right? He's
2: so He's a yards per catch guy. You know right. he gets. The You know, he gets a lot of uh, yards after the catch. He was very exciting.
1: Yeah. Right. Very exciting player. They get him for a third round draft. This is like, to me, the equivalent of getting like a top three forward for a third round draft pick, right? So, like, what is why? Well, third round
2: happen? picks in the NFL, they'll start for you. You know what I mean? Okay, like, I so. yeah, I guess is what I'm that's what I mean. That's the, that's the, and,
0: and, and Kevin, and Kevin can tell you that the, 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 the gulf that has been passed in the NFL in the last couple years in terms of trades, their trade deadline was a snooze. Fast, yeah, up until a couple years ago, and now all of a sudden, teams, yeah, yeah. now, now they've, they've loosened up.
2: Well, I think the NHL's trade deadline is the best. You know, we don't, no other sport has it quite the way we do, where you know, there's a lot of excitement on trade deadline, even on days when we don't get a lot, it's still fun because yeah, yeah. Baseball, baseball's
3: the worst now, baseball used to be yeah. the best, it used to be the best when I was a kid. Baseball's training deadline was the best, now it's the worst because there's so many guys making too big of money that a lot of times trades can't happen the NFL they're happening because teams just want out of guys contracts they literally just get rid of them to get rid of them
1: that is the thing, that's the thing is because like to me like okay if you're trying to everyone everybody say everybody everybody always says you need a top six forward going to the trade deadline or we want to we want a top sign defenseman or whatever he always is and you can't you can you can't do it there's no way if, if, if and the Eagles want a top receiver they can go get him for a third round pick
3: but, that's, but this, is the, this is the misnomer, though, about the NFL trade right one, right? Teams do it because they just want to out of guys' contracts. And then the team that gets the guy acts as if, oh, look, we stole him for a third rounder. Like, But at least with the NHL, you get decent trades. I mean, a lot of times these guys will go to other teams in the NFL. Like, uh, you know, the guy the Eagles got, Golden Tate, he's a nice receiver, right? He is not a game breaker. I've watched him his whole career. He gets hurt in a game. Then all of a sudden you're looking at him like, oh wow, we just gave up a third round pick for him. Like, so teams when they're willing to give up guys, they're willing to give up on him for a reason. A lot of times because yeah, their
0: contract, it, it, their contract yeah. is expiring. So you know, or whatever. I mean,
2: that's, yeah, you, like,
3: know, you know, they're on the other people side.
2: Are, people are torn in Detroit over that trade. Like, there's most people are, were against it because it's waving the white flag because yeah, you know, he's a very consistent performer. Like he he's is. not a superstar. But what he really is good at is catching the pass, and if he catches it three yards out, he can turn it into a twelve-yard gain. You know, he's very slippery and elusive. But but they—they've run, sort of. uh, The the reporters have done like who teams who the Lions have gotten in third round picks, and they're all guys who come in and start. You know, so they're you know everybody says you know you've traded them for a starter, so. Right. And the,
0: opposite, the opposite end of the spectrum, Kev, is is, is the Buffalo had you know Kelvin Benjamin and and LeSean McCoy and a couple other players who p- p- fans were hoping that they would trade before the deadline because the Bills are going to go two and fourteen or three and thirteen with them. So what the hell's the difference?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that's
1: fair. It's a very good point. Uh, that's all the time we have today, guys. I remember remember without the buzz, it's just football. And, um, we'll um, <laughs> we will talk to you on
4: Monday. Have a great weekend.